Welcome to the Living Room Podcast. The Living Room is the college ministry of Buckhead Church in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, you can check out thelivingroomatl.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this talk. What is up, Living Room? How you guys doing tonight? Um, listen, I, um, this is incredible. I feel so honored to get to be here, and I know you didn't invite me. Matt invited me. Matt, thank you for inviting me. Um, I'm Matt's boss, and so he had to invite me. Um, but that's all right. I just take it all in. Uh, I just take it all in joy. So uh, Matt Novelet is the most incredible college pastor on the planet, and uh, really grateful for Matt. Peyton is new to the team. She's crushing it. Lindsay is holding it down. And then uh, we just recruited a five star that just signed. Have you already told him about Tyreek? Uh, we, we'll have to introduce Tyreek pretty soon. He's not here tonight, is he? Tyreek, are you here? He's not even here. He's, 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 uh, he's taking some time off before he gets here. But I can't wait to introduce you to Tyreek. Um, what an incredible team. What an incredible thing that's happening here. If you were a college student in Atlanta, Georgia, why would you not be at the living room? This place is bananas. I mean, when I was in college, yeah, Atlanta had Freak Nick, okay? That was something. But y'all, it's 2019. Kanye's getting saved. Come on, are you kidding me? That is incredible. And the living room is blowing up. This is the place to be. How many of you, honestly, this is your first time, you've never been here before? Is it as good as they told you it was gonna be? Glad you're here, glad you're here. That is amazing. Hey, my name's Clay. I should have introduced myself at the beginning. What's up, y'all? I am uh, really excited about being with you. I uh, grew up in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, moved to Atlanta, uh, okay, okay. Um, moved to Atlanta, Georgia in 1998 to attend uh, the Georgia Institute of Technology where I, we got some Georgia Tech students tonight? Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Um, I was, uh, I studied industrial and systems engineering and I was terrible at it. But while I was in school, God really grabbed my heart and I started realizing what I wanna do with my life is work in ministry. And uh, so I moved to Dallas, Texas after I graduated from college. Okay, 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 Texas? Texas, once Texas gets in you, it is, it's, it's hard to stay away. Uh, so I was in seminary, going to graduate school, studying theology, but I ended up studying this girl, this shouty. And uh, what's up, girl? I got her pregnant. Uh, we had five babies, so um, now is over the course of about 10 years. So that's my wife, and uh, I'm crazy about her. We just had our anniversary last week, but we got, we got five little kids at home. 10, eight, six, four, two. Uh, those are their ages and not their names. Um, but that'd be all right if it was their names. That'd be so 2019. You know, what's up? This is my baby girl named 10, you know? <laughs> Meet my son named 8. Uh, <laughs> that would be weird. But so cool, though, yet, you know? Um, anyway, and I work here at Buckhead Church, and this is the, the coolest thing that's happening at Buckhead Church is the living room. So I'm really excited to be here. We're in this series called Unashamed. Everybody say Unashamed. Hey, listen, this all comes from Romans 1.16 that says, I am unashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And that's really hard to do because there's a lot of things that we can be ashamed about uh, in our own lives, whether it's our past, 
whether it's where we came from, whether it's the family we grew up in, our illustrious or not so illustrious sports career. I got put on JV baseball in the 11th grade. I was so ashamed of that. But I've learned in life that there's one thing that you can hold on to that you do not have to be ashamed of, and that's the gospel of Jesus. And I hope it's lighting you up because it's lighting me up as a 39-year-old like it was when I was a 16-year-old when I really started realizing this amazing uh, treasure that we have in a heavenly father who loves us unconditionally, who knows our name, who knows all of our mess, and yet he still runs toward us in the middle of our mess. That's what we have to be unashamed about. And so tonight, uh, I'm just wrapping this series up. I came in, they said, bring in the closer, and so I'm just here to, uh, are y'all following the Braves? Look, y'all, we lost tonight, all right? It's two to two, but we're coming back to Atlanta. They just wanted to bring it back to Atlanta to clinch in our hometown, all right? That's all it was. Is anybody like really following the Braves and you're really into it? Like seven of you? Unbelievable. People, this is what Atlanta has going right now other than Atlanta United is the Atlanta Braves because the Atlanta Falcons definitely are not getting it done right now. Can somebody please say amen to that? Anywho, uh, we're talking about unashamed. Here's what I want to ask you, though. I want to kick, kick it off with this question right here. What are you most proud of about God? What are you most proud of about God? I mean, when you think about, this is one of my favorite questions to ask. Okay, look, uh, man down here, you seem really excited to answer it. Go ahead and put the hand down. I'm going to come, let me finish like three sentences, and I'm going to come straight to you. I'm not going anywhere else. I'm not passing go. I'm not going to collect $200. I'm coming straight to you, homie, all right? Look, this is one of my favorite questions to ask. When I sit down and I'm getting to know someone, especially if I find out that, hey, this is a person of faith. This is somebody that is Jesus-leaning. I don't have a fish in my car because I don't trust my driving enough. I feel like it'd turn people off. But I feel like I am wearing the T-shirt. I'm a follower of Jesus. And I think there's a lot of gold. There's a lot of upgrades to be had when you decide to start following Jesus when you get into a relationship with the Almighty. And so I love asking people, hey, if you're unashamed, then tell me what you're proud of. What are you proud of about God? I recognize in a room like this, though, some of you are like, man, I don't even know what I think about God yet. Well, then hopefully this would be a good exercise. And maybe you'll learn something that maybe, uh, maybe you didn't even realize you could be proud of about God. All right, man, what's up? What's your name, by the way? Albert. Albert, during the, uh, when Forever Free was up here, you were getting it on the front row. And I loved it all. What do you do? Are you a student? Uh, yeah, for now. That voice of yours is going to take you places. They had to amplify mine. Yours needs no amplification. And the fact that you kicked your shoes off, you're down here on the front row with no shoes on, you have made yourself at home. I am loving everything about what's going on with you, Albert. All of it. I'm loving all of it. All right, Albert, holler at your boy. What are you most proud of about God? Um, I'm proud that God made chicken so we can have fried chicken. If you didn't hear it in the back, I'm assuming you didn't hear it in the back because you'd be going crazy. Nobody heard it in the back? Albert said, I am proud that God made chickens so we could have fried chicken. So. <laughs> okay, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, but that's cool. 
Uh, lady, one, uh, one of y'all too. I don't care. One of you got your hand up. One of you got your sparklers up. What's up? Uh, let, let's start with her. What's your name, ma'am? Gabby. Gabby. What's up, Gabby? Uh, Gabby, what are you most proud of about God? I love that. Gabby said, I'm proud that he is an amazing father who's always here for me. I love that. I love that. That is so true. And next door to you, you've got? What's up, Kayla? Hey. I love that. Hey, look, let's just make an agreement that every time somebody asks your name this week, you're going to follow up with, they're going to be like, hey, what's your name? And be like, I'm Clay. Hey. <laughs> if you've never done it before, let's just all do it together this week, all right? Hey, what's your name? Albert. Albert. Hey. Okay. All right, Kayla, what's up? You forgot now. Love it. She said, I'm, um, that, what, what you're talking about, you're referring to the fact that he is a provider, right? I mean, he's put breath in our lungs. He's given us the ability and the opportunity to get up on the feet. Even if you can't get up out of the chair, you, he put breath in your lungs, allows you to eat. I love that. He allows me to eat. I've never thought about that. But I mean, think about it. I'm like, God, that's incredible that you not only provide the food, but you allow me to indulge in it. I love it. A tighter grip. What's up? <laughs> what's up? What's your name? Zane. Zane. What's up, Zane? Hey. <laughs> Zane, what are you most proud of about God? He's forgiving. Get it. Get it. Hey, did any of y'all listen? Um, are y'all are too young to listen to Miseducation of Lauren Hill? <laughs> that's one of my favorite that's one of my favorite albums ever and I just had like a nostalgic moment it's like a um, what do they call those moments deja vu that's it I just had like a moment of deja vu I'm like are we on Lauren Hill's album right now you know where that professor or teacher's in front of the class being like all right students what is love you know and everybody starts answering that's what I feel like just happened um, he is forgiving. That is true. All right, last one right here on the fourth row. TLR representing the shirt. Hey, what's your name? Gabby. Ga I'm sorry, what? Two for two on Gabby? Unbelievable. He created the world. I love it. He did create the world. That's so beautiful. I mean, when you think about, especially like, I don't know if he created the weather we were having like a week ago. I felt like that was straight from Satan. But, um, <laughs> The weather we've had the last couple days, you're like, okay, now this is God. You know what I mean? Look, I don't, I don't know what it is for you, but I really think it's worth asking the question. Like, God, here's the great thing. God is not ashamed of you. He's unashamed of you. So what is it about him that you are unashamed about? What is it about him that you are most proud of? I'm running out of time, so I got to get it. All right, like Albert is getting it. All right, right here. This is my answer for today. This is what I'm most proud of when I think about God, hope. Listen, y'all, there is hope that you pass what? The test tomorrow. You're like, I'm not even gonna study, but I got that hope, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if it works like that. I tried all through college, and it did not work like that for me, uh, but uh, maybe Georgia State is more forgiving than those professors at Georgia Tech because they don't play. They'd be like, I got hope that you're going to take this class again. So <laughs> that's the hope I got. Um, 
And I did. Uh, anyway, <laughs> hope is powerful. Hope, here's what hope is, in case you want a little definition. Hope is that little voice that whispers maybe when the entire world is shouting no. no. Hope is the little voice that says Maybe it could happen. Maybe it will work out. Maybe he will come through when everyone else is shouting no. There's a situation in every single life in the room where you are hoping something good will happen, hoping that God could take even the bad and turn it into good, hoping that he might bring light into the darkness. That's who he is, and hope is the most powerful virtue that any one of us can walk around with because it's what allows us to get out of the bed. When you lose hope, you've lost it all. But the good news is, from uh, Christopher Reeve, the former Mr. Batman, uh, right here, or Superman, which one is Christopher Reeve? He's Superman, all right, right here. There it is. Once you choose hope, anything is possible. I believe this is true about our God, that once you choose hope, anything really is possible. Now, I'm not saying to be delusional and to believe that all of a sudden you're going to fly, to believe that all of a sudden you're going to make it into the NBA. Oh, I know why you paused, because I was supposed to play that video. I forgot. Thank you. All right, I'll play it now. Um, for instance, I got an eight-year-old son, all right, and... Um, He's playing Little League football right now, and it's his first year to play tackle. He's played flag in the past, and um, I don't know. My dad, uh, my dad was one of those kind of parents that was just, he was loud at the games, you know? He was always, like, cheering for me and just, like, yelling, like, come on, son, you can do it. And I decided when I was going to be a parent, I remember being a kid, listening to my dad, being like, I am never going to do like this at games. You know what I mean? Because it was cool for a minute, and then after a while, it embarrassed me. And then I had a son who started playing, and now all of a sudden, I'm the one going crazy. And it's because I love him so much, I can't contain myself, and I think he's got some skills until the season started. I want to show you a little clip of what happened first game of the year. And this was the moment when I was like, mm, I don't believe uh, he's going to be playing, uh, hopefully maybe into high school, definitely not past high school. Check this out. This is what happened to his team. That's his team right here. Just follow it. You'll see it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's see it again. Yeah, just run it back. I don't know why it's so zoomed in. That's all right, though, but just, you'll see it. Okay, everybody's cool. Everybody's cool. Everybody, oh, we lost it. We're all down. Okay. And then one kid starts hopping. One kid's like, oh, my hamstring. I already tore it. It's like, you haven't even touched another player. You ran through the banner and pulled a hamstring. What is your problem? But I watched that the first game of the year, and I was like, you know what? I don't believe in delusional hope. I don't believe in hoping that something's going to work out when it's absolutely crazy impossible. But at the same time, I do believe that our God, as we just sang, is a way maker. He is a God who can do the impossible. He can restore relationships. He can give hope to the hopeless. He can be a father to the fatherless. He can come through when it feels like no one else in your world is going to come through. That's who he is. And the reason why I think this is so powerful is because every one of us has a choice to make in life of where you're going to put your hope. You got to decide. Nobody can decide for you. 
And you might be hoping that you get out of college and get a job so that you can make some money, so that you can holler at somebody and get somebody to put the ring on and marry you so that you can have some kids, so that your kids can do well and be successful, so that you can be independently wealthy and free and be able to live the kind of life you want. I don't know where you're putting your hope, but you've got to make a decision where you are going to put your hope. And I'm here tonight to just propose that I don't think there's anyone who is able to handle your hope. I don't believe there's anyone more trustworthy to handle your hope than the one who made you. I believe he's the greatest. I believe he's the almighty. I believe he's the highest of all highs. And I believe that if I could go back to college and do it all over again, what I would do is I would go put even more of my hope in him. I would take my hope out of the relationship and out of the degree and out of the school. I'm not saying be crazy and drop out of school and break up with the person and have no friends. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you got to decide who am I going to hope in? What am I going to put my hope in? Who can handle my hope? You got to decide that. And if I could do it all over again, I would go put even more of my chips in the middle of the table, trusting that my God is the one who can handle me, that my God is the one who can handle my future, that he's the only one that can handle my relationships, my family drama, my dating scene. He's the only one worth trusting, the only one worth putting our hope in. And so tonight I'm just here to encourage you, maybe even to challenge you, maybe even, and I'm not too proud to do it, to beg for you to put your hope in the one who made you. So we've been kind of walking through uh, Romans, which is, uh, Romans is heavy lifting. I mean, Romans is not, you know, Romans, for some of you that have never read the Bible before, or maybe it's been a long time since you read the Bible, if you start reading Romans right off the bat, it's like stepping into a CrossFit class when you ain't ever been to CrossFit. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, they're talking about the Murph. Y'all know about the Murph where you do this crazy workout? Like for some of you, um, I, I jumped in one Memorial Day and jumped in on the Murph, and it was the worst decision I've ever made in my whole life. But jumping into Romans is heavy. It's heavy stuff. And so we started with Romans 1, verse 16, but I wanna fast forward all the way to Romans 8. And I wanna look at a little verse, one little verse. That's all we've got time for tonight. That's all we're gonna do. I'm gonna look at one little verse, Romans 8, 15, but I'm gonna look at it in the message version. Some of you have tried to read the Bible and you get bored with the Bible. What I would perhaps encourage you to do is uh, mix up the pattern, mix up the translation, pick a new version to read because it might not be the Bible that's boring, it might be the way you're reading the Bible that's boring. And so what I do oftentimes when I get bored with the Bible, am I allowed to say that as a pastor that sometimes I get bored with the Bible, but sometimes I do get bored with the Bible and so I mix it up and I read the message version. If you've never read the message version, the message version is beautiful. It's written by this, uh, this dude named Eugene Peterson. He just died about a year and a half ago. He was a professor. He was a pastor, a brilliant man. And he taught a Sunday school class. And he started just translating from Greek, the original language that the New Testament was written in. And he would just translate the Bible into uh, the vernacular, into the way we speak uh, in, the, in, in today's world. And he would just translate it just for the people to read and they started loving it they started passing it around and so eventually he turned it into an entire translation of the Bible that we know as the message. 
And the message, uh, I think, is electric. I think it's a beautiful translation of the Bible. And so we're gonna read Romans 8.15, but we're gonna read it in the message version. This is the way it reads. It goes like this. This resurrection life that you received from God. I love the way it starts. I mean, he's packing a punch from the beginning, from the jump. He's letting us know, hey, there is a resurrection life that is not just from Jesus, that it is for, it is given to you and to me, that the resurrection that he exhibited, the resurrection that he showed off with, the power that allowed him to be resurrected from the dead, that same resurrection life is available for you and for me. Y'all, I don't know what kind of, if, if you are a follower of Jesus, I don't know what kind you are. I don't know if you're like a go to church on Sundays, but then I leave it all there during the week, or maybe it's go to the living room on Monday and then leave it all there for the weekend. But I'm just telling you, the resurrection life is a 365, 24-7, every day of the week, every moment of the year kind of life that God invites us into, where he says, hey, the same power that allowed Jesus to be resurrected from the dead is available to you. That same power that allowed him to get up from the dead and walk out of a grave, that same power is available to you and to me. That's insane. That's crazy that God would do that. But that's the resurrection life that he's inviting us into. So let me just interrupt Romans 8.15 and ask you a real pointed question. What do you need God to resurrect in your life? What is it that you need God to resurrect in your life? Maybe it's your family that you came from. Maybe it's some moment of shame that has been plaguing your memory for the last little while. Maybe you need God to resurrect your finances. Oh, hello. Maybe you need God to resurrect that relationship that you're hoping will work out. Maybe you need God to resurrect your relationship with your mom or your relationship with your dad. I don't know what it is, but hey, while we're talking about him and while we're singing to him, you may as well ask him, say, God, would you let that resurrection life land in my life? Because he begins that way. He says, this resurrection life that you have received from God, and then he's gonna describe it. If you're wondering, well, what it's like, this is what he says. This resurrection life you've received from God, it's not a timid, grave-tending life. It's not timid, and it's not grave-tending. We don't have any grave-tenders. Any of you hang out at a cemetery? Man, I did a service project when I was in college at this, the, um, what's that cemetery over there off Memorial? You know what I'm talking? Oakwood. Yeah, it was Oakwood. And uh, we went over there one Saturday morning, and it was, it was like in the fall, so it was around Halloween. How do you say Halloween? My wife thinks I says that we. I say it weird. Halloween? Halloween? Anywho, <clears throat> I was at Oakwood Cemetery, and it was early in the morning, and there was like a lot of um, fog, and we were like doing a service project there, and I just remember like digging into the ground and a bunch of worms being there and being like, this is ridiculous. Because I don't know what these worms have been eating. You know what I mean? I mean, I think I know, but I don't want to know. Um, anywho, there are people in life that are, they're grave tenders. They take care of graves. They, they walk around and make sure that the cemetery is clean and that everything's in order and everything's in shape. 
And Dr. Peterson is reminding us through the inspired words from Paul that he wrote 2,000 years ago. He's saying, hey, this resurrection life, this life that allows dead things to come to life, it's not a life that just walks around in a timid way. No, it's a life that's unashamed. Hey, I'm not ashamed of the power that I'm trusting in or I'm hoping in. And it's not grave tending. We don't just walk around like with all these dead things. We, we trust in a God that is bringing things to life. We're trusting in the life that he gives. There's a lot of grave tending for people that are hoping in money or hoping in fame or hoping in relationships because ultimately that's grave tending. Those dead things are not going to give life. So he says, this resurrection life that you've received, don't allow it to become this life that's timid, that's ashamed, or that's grave tending, that's trying to hang around with dead things thinking that they're gonna come back to life. He's going, no, 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 no. Go find where the life is because that's where the resurrection life is. It's like staring at the sun, wondering like how in the world it got there. God didn't intend for us to do that. He's saying, no, no, just go enjoy the things that the sun is casting light on and be grateful for the sun, but enjoy what the light is bringing. Enjoy the resurrection that God is exhibiting in around us. And the only way you do that is by looking around and seeing what he's doing in other people's lives, in the lives of those around you, in the lives of people in, in our church and people in our community and people at our schools. He says, this resurrection life that you've received from God is not timid or grave tending. No, it's adventurously expectant. It's adventurously expectant. What I think about when I think about adventurously expectant is, uh, uh, it, what, what, where are we on Six Flags these days? Are you guys cool with Six Flags or not? Because like, I'm at the age, I don't know what happened, but somehow in my 30s, I got to that point where I'm like, I can't ride roller coasters anymore because it makes me sick. So, no, you can ride them. It just makes me sick. So, um, but maybe you're still into them. But you know that feeling when you're on a roller coaster and it's going like up to the top, you know? Like that's one of the scariest moments in the world to me because nothing, you don't even know what's gonna happen. And that's the scary part. But it is adventurously expectant because you're getting to the top and you know, as soon as we crest that hill, we're about to start to go down and it's about to get crazy, right? Because that's when the speed picks up. And that's when the thrill starts. And he says, this resurrection life that you've received from God, it is an adventurously expectant life. Students, I don't know where you're putting your hope, but there is no hope that can give you the kind of adventurous expectation that Jesus can give. And so that's why I would say, put your hope in him because his life is so expectant. There's so much hope in it because of all he wants to do, all that he's already done and all that he's going to do. And Dr. Peterson translated Paul's words this way next. I love this. He says, it's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? What's next, Abba? He says, what, what if you started greeting God like that? When's the last time you just woke up in the morning and said, God, what are you up to today? God, what are you gonna do today? God, what are you, what are you in the middle of? That's where I wanna be. Students, do you know where God is right now? Do you know what he's up to in your life right now? Do you know what he's doing around you? 
If you don't, you got to get involved with that. You got to pay attention to that. You got to be wide eyed to that because that's where the action is. You're going to put your hope somewhere. You may as well put your hope in the one who made you, who designed you, who's bringing things to life because his life is adventurously expectant. He allows us to greet him, tugging on his pant leg. What's next, Papa? What are we doing today? What are you up to today? That's what I want to be involved with. So I don't know what you're involved with. I don't know what you got time for. I don't know what you're working on right now. I'm going to do two things before we end. I'm going to tell you one opportunity for something you could do to be involved in. And then secondly, uh, we're going to talk a little more personal about what God's doing in our life. All right. But let's start with the opportunity that we have. Uh, Check this out. God's plan. God has a plan for your life and it involves helping someone else. It's always dangerous when someone tries to tell you what God's plan is for your life. But I'm just telling you, the action that is the most exhilarating, unforgettable, never gets old kind of lifestyle that God is inviting you into is helping someone else. About 10 years ago, I got to go to T.I.'s studio and interview him. This was when he was just getting out of prison, and uh, he had to do some PSAs. And so um, we caught him at the right time. But I will never forget one of the things that he told us when I asked him. I said, hey, what's most exciting about your life right now? And it was about this time of year. Thanksgiving was right around the corner. And he said, man, my favorite thing to do is around Thanksgiving, I go to the neighborhood where I used to grow up, where I I grew up, I used to live. And he said, I give out turkeys to people in that neighborhood. And he said, it is such a beautiful moment for me because it's a quick moment in time where I take the spotlight off myself and I shine it onto someone else. And I thought, that's beautiful. And he said, what's amazing is when that happens, when I shine the light on someone else, my problems get smaller. That's just the way life works. It's the way God intended for us to work. That his plan for you, the action for you, the most exhilarating aspect of life for you is to shine your light on someone else, is to take your energy, is to take your action, your attention, to take your focus and to put it on someone else. It's the way he's made you. God's plan for your life, it involves helping someone else, but it might involve hoping for someone else. The greatest thing I did when I was in college was I got involved with a church. The greatest thing I did, the greatest education I had when I was in college was the church that I was involved in. First semester, I started attending this church. Second semester, I was telling my cousin about it. I was saying, hey, I love this church. I'm really enjoying it. It's really cool. Next time you're in Atlanta, you should come check it out with me. And he said, hey, are you involved there? I said, no, not really. I don't really know what to do yet. And he said, and I'll never forget this. Listen to this. He said, you need to be so involved that when you're not there, someone knows you're not there. And I thought, huh, all right, cool. So the next week, I went and I signed up to be a high school small group leader. I was 19 years old. Y'all, I had just finished high school. I didn't have anything to teach anybody about being in high school. I was barely out of high school. But what I could do is the same thing that you can do. I was present. I was able to offer forgiveness. I was able to show them grace. I was able to help provide for them in some ways. And I was able to be a Jesus with skin friend to some of these people, some of these students while they were in high school. Greatest thing that ever happened to me while I was in college. So who are you hoping for? 
There's somebody in life who can't hope for themselves and they need someone like you to come alongside them and hope for them. That's where the adventurously expectant life really is. Hoping for someone else, hoping for someone else is part of God's plan for restoring hope in you. When you begin to hope for someone else, it's how God wants to provide you with the sense of hope that he's trying to build up in you. So I don't know if you're already involved with a church, but I asked Matt if I could just make a shameless plug tonight and say, hey, if you're not involved in a church anywhere, would you come get involved with what's happening at Buckhead Church? I think there's a lot of action going on here. I think there are people here that need you. There are people that go to this church that need your humor and your energy and your intellect and your presence in their life. And I hope that you would get involved to the point where when you're not here, someone knows you're not here. Here's the easiest way to do it. Go to IamBC.com. IamBC.com. You can do it on your smartphone when you're on the bus on the way home or riding, riding with your friend or however you're getting home. Uh, don't do it if you're driving, though. Um, but you can just go check it out. I am BC. I am Buckhead Church. I am BC. Com. I'm telling you, it's the best decision you could make to hope for someone else. Somebody needs you, but I'm telling you, you need it. It would be the greatest thing you could ever do with your life. Some of you, though, are so eaten up with trouble and challenge and struggle, and you, you feel like, I can't hope for someone else because I don't have enough in me. I wanna show you one last verse that... Um, has been lighting me up for about the last three years. This is in Psalm 42. And the, the author of this psalm is talking to himself. You know you have a conversation with yourself that runs throughout the whole day? Well, this is what the author of this psalm said to do when you're down. If you feel like you're in a pit, if you feel like you're not feeling it, if you feel like you don't know where to turn, uh, th this is for you. Y you can start, uh, you can cue the keys now if you'd like. Um, he says, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? He's talking to himself. He's saying, soul, why are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? And then he tells himself what to do. He's like, pick yourself up. Come on, get, get out of the pit that you're in. And look at what he tells him to do. He says, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. Students, this is a daily practice that we've got to do to find that adventurously expectant life that God has for every one of us. The resurrection life that he has for us calls us on a daily basis to say, soul, why are you so down? Do you not have a God that can do anything? Do you not have a God that is the way maker, that is the difference maker, the promise keeper, the, the one who brings light into darkness? Do you not know that he's your source of hope? Then put your hope in God and praise him, my Savior and my God. Put your hope in him and praise him. I want to show you this last little word picture. Um, whoops. I grabbed the rope and the hook. So um, this is a rope. Uh, when I was uh, 18 years old, I had to speak at my high school graduation, and I wanted to talk about hope. And so I looked up hope in this picture dictionary. Did you know there is a picture dictionary? You look up a word and it shows you a picture. And so I remember looking up the word, <clears throat> looking up the word hope. And what it did is it had uh, this dude with um, a rope around 
his waist or her waist. I don't remember if you could tell the, the gender of this person in the dictionary. Um, but they had a, you probably, if you're like tying a rope around your waist, you probably wouldn't tie it like that. I tied it like I was tying my shoes. Clearly, I was not a Boy Scout. So, um, but just imagine this for a second. Matt, this is a perfect rope. Thank you. Um, just imagine this. Uh, in the picture, this dude was hanging off a cliff, okay? And, and, and at the, the, you could follow the rope up top of the hill, and up top, there was this big rock, okay? And the rope was tied around this rock, okay? So you got the picture. The rope is up here tied around this rock, and then here you are hanging from this rope, hanging from this rock. And the picture dictionary said, hey, um, if you wanna know what hope is, hope is whatever you're tying your rope to. Hope is whatever that rock is. And for some of you, you don't know what the rock is. Maybe for some of you, the rock is your family or the rock is fame or the rock is your future or that relationship that you're in or your sport or school. And we have a heavenly father that says, I wanna be your rock. I wanna be your rock. I want you to tie your rope around me. Put your hope in me. I'm the only one that can save you. I'm the only one that can help you get through that struggle. I'm the only one that can help you not just get by, but thrive in the middle of the pain. He says, I'm the only one that can take the brokenness and bring something good from it. I'm the only one that can do that. So tie your rope. Yeah, it's gonna be tied around you, but on the other side, tie it around him. Tie your rope onto him because he's the only one that can hold you up. And so tonight, I just wanna give you an opportunity to do that. For those of you that have never done that before, it's, real, it's, not, uh, e it's easy for us. It was not easy for him. It cost him his life. But we're gonna get to put into practice the song we're about to sing. So would you just close your eyes and bow your head? And if tonight, if you would like to put your hope in God, if you've had your hope somewhere else, and you, wanna, you want tonight to be the marker where you say, I remember on October the 7th, at the living room in the middle of Atlanta where I finally tied my rope around the only one worthy of holding me up, the only one strong enough to hold me up. If that's you tonight, would you just raise your hand up in the air and say, that's me. I wanna put my hope in God. That's beautiful. Put your hand up high. Just to, to let, more than anything, to let God know, God, I'm proud of you. You're the one that can hold me up. You're the only one strong enough to hold me up. And then just tell him, say, God, I can't do it on my own. God, I'm too broken, I'm too much of a mess. I'd probably drop myself, I'd probably mistie the rope. But God, you're the only one strong enough, you're the only one big enough, you're the only one great enough, you're the only one who's the almighty, you're the highest of highs. And just tell him, say, God, you are the one that can hold me up. We're gonna sing this song that says, my hope is built. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood, than on the blood that he shed for me, the sacrifice that he made for me, and his righteousness. I can't be perfect, but he's perfect. I can't be good enough, but he's good enough. And so God, we put our hope in you, the only one worthy of our trust, the only one worthy of our hope. We put our hope in you, my Savior and my God.